I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube. And joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. For Dallas. Benches look good, though, so far for Dallas. Benches look good, though, so far for Dallas. Wait. Benches look good, though, so far for Dallas. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? What Harp say? <laughs> hey, I just know that that bench be. I can't, be stop. Cra- I can't that, stop listening to that. That bench tonight be crazy. Benches be crazy, Isaac. Wow, what a supporting cast! I mean, this was one of the biggest questions for this Mavs team: is you have Luca, you have Porzingis. What does the supporting cast give you? And this is the type of win that we all needed. One of the big questions we had before the season was, do the Mavericks have depth or do they just have guys? Do they just have you know, a bunch of players or do they actually have some real depth that could actually help them in a situation where Luka and Porzingis aren't playing well and they're in a hostile environment, I guess, and they need some extra? Can the Mavericks bench do that? And the Mavericks answered that completely tonight. Yeah, I mean, how many times were we asked? I was just on NBA Mass podcast or Hardwood Knox, whatever it's called, with uh, Dan Favelle, Andy Bailey, and them uh, a few weeks ago. And, you know, he threw out the question that everybody's thrown out, you know, threw out in the offseason. Who's the third best player on the Mavericks? And I answered Jalen Brunson. I hyped Brunson up so much in that pod. But, you know, just everybody's talked about this supporting cast. We have talked about it over and over and over again of – Who's the third piece? Do they have to have a third piece? Do they even have one? You know, can they make it without a third piece? Can just all these guys, can two of these guys step up every game, you know, and just alternate who these two guys are? Uh, Carlos's going to be fluid with the starting unit and all this different stuff. And it's just crazy that now, do we, th- do I think this is going to happen every single game? No, <laughs> but the optimism from this game that you're playing, I mean, I, I think Denver's going to have the best record in the West, so that you can come go into their place. I get that it's a back-to-back, and they're on the second night of back-to-back, but you can go into their place, and Luka and Porzingis can combine for 22 points on, what, two for a lot. 14 <laughs> from the field? Uh, or no, not even that. That's, gosh, not two for 14. That's from the two for 14 from three. Seven of uh, 26. From the floor, seven of twenty-six. Neither one of them really had like gotten a groove and got things going. The fact that you can go into Denver and those two guys have those type of games, and your supporting cast picks them up and literally carries them. And not only is this like an impressive win from our angle, I think this is even a bigger win for like team chemistry and just everything with all of those guys. I I, I think this is. Uh, uh, You can't even say how big of a win this is. It's as big as Jokic right now, this win. (laughs) Do you think he's lost weight or gained weight or the same? (laughs) We'll definitely talk about Jokic because I think that definitely matters. So on the podcast today, obviously, we're going to break down this Mavericks 109-106 to win over the Nuggets in Denver. It was a great win. Like Isaac said, uh, 
the bench showed up huge. Everyone on the team, except for Dwight, who only played the first half, scored at least 10 points. Everyone was within 14 to 10 points. That that I can't imagine that being a, a, a recipe for success for a lot of teams out there. That you're that no one can score more than 14 points or less than 10 points and you end up winning. I don't know. It's just, it seems odd to me. But a lot of depth, so we'll definitely get into that. Um, man, let's just start from the beginning. We got another new starting lineup. Luca with Seth, Dorian, KP, and Dwight Powell. We finally got Dwight Powell back. He only played the first half. He played 13 minutes, four uh, points, four rebounds. And uh, he got the first action of the game. They they went away from Porzingis in the post, and they decided to run something for Dwight, and he got fouled on it. Yeah, I mean, you saw from the very beginning just what – I mean, we all know what Dwight brings, but it was just – uh, nice to see it again on the court. He brings something that the other players at that spot, Maxi doesn't bring. Maxi or Boban doesn't bring at that five spot. He gives you that vertical, uh, above the rim, rolling presence. That and that's why Rick loves him in this role at the five man spot. And yeah, you saw from the very beginning, it just adds a different element to it. I think he's still a little bit rusty. He only played 13 minutes in the game, but. Yeah, I saw some uh, Mavs Twitter tweets out there. Like, yeah, what else does he do? Um, yeah, people well, saying that I I, want, I like my centers to do more than one thing. Understandable, understandable. But that's what they ask of him. This is the, uh, and he does that well. The thing with with the thing with Dwight Powell and the thing with this entire Mavericks team and this this team win proved this. I think more than anything, the Mavericks have a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of different things. They have Dorian that can defend. He defended Jamal Murray incredibly at the end of the game. They have Luca who can take over games. He can do more than just one thing. They have Seth Curry that can just bomb from deep and hit a lot of things. Delon Wright can play make a little bit and he can defend. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. can. You know, hit some jumpers when you need him to. He can play some solid defense. You just have all these different guys that can do these different things. You know, Boban can come in and be your your huge big against you know massive centers. You have Maxi that can you know defend the rim and he can hit some shots. And then you have Dwight Powell who can be your rim runner. They didn't have that. Porzingis is not a rim runner. He can he can pick and roll, but obviously you can you can tell tonight and from the first couple of games they're not gonna they're not gonna run. You know, 30 pick and rolls with, with Porzingis. They're not going to run him into the ground like that. They can do that with Maxi and now Dwight back. And uh, you can just tell that Dwight is springier and has, you know, more leap and can finish things around the rim better than Maxi can. And that's just something that they're going to need. It's, it's, a, it's a tool in the box. They have all these different pieces, and Carlisle's just going to throw them into the right configuration that they need in order to win games. And tonight was one of those examples. I will say I, I think Maxi played a, a a pretty good overall game. Oh heck yeah! It, it's it's so clear that when he's on the court, like that's the player that they're going to give the open shot to for the most part. Uh, they're going to leave him open. Teams are letting him have that shot. I think he's improved on his touch around the rim. Um, I don't know. It just could be my opinion on that. But he's also getting a just, lot more touches around the rim because he played with Dwight a lot last year. That was the lineup. The, the off the bench lineup was Dwight and Maxi. And so we and he saw played the stretch four role. He played that stretch four because you know we even thought like they would never play Maxi next to Porzingis because they want Porzingis to be that four. But they've decided since the injury to Dwight came that they decided to put Maxi the five, and it's worked pretty well. That you know now Maxi is going to be a five, so he's around the rim a little bit more than he was last year. And you see, it's kind of like you got to pick your poison a little bit, not poison, but um, the better version of poison <laughs> of what you want. Of do you want the rim rolling presence above the rim thing of of Dwight Powell? Pick your pal, <laughs> or 
look at the defense that Maxi gives you. I mean, yeah, three it, blocks, that, that, almost four. Should that block four. at the end of the game. I I don't think I've ever seen Maxi that animated after that Colton call. Oh, I know he yeah. was he was for sure he was adamant that that was a block. And then the uh, the play against Jokic at the very end too, when Jokic lost it in the air, that yeah. that could have been you know very easily been a Maxi block if Jokic would have held on. When him and Porzingis are defending the paint together and they so kind of formed arms. that that wall when Jokic drove in and they were both straight up both played that play just perfect Jokic lost the ball out of bounds and it's just I don't think Dwight gives you that type of defense that Maxi gives you so it's kind of yeah you just got to kind of pick on on what you want to what you want on the floor at times yeah Mason Plumlee was uh was eating Dwight alive in the post which is not not what you want <laughs> Tough look. Hey, Mason Plumlee was a FIBA player. <laughs> so uh, look for my guy Dwight Powell getting roasted by Mason Plumlee in the post. <laughs> they took him out after he fouled him. I will say this. We texted about this. I think this is my ideal starting lineup. Somebody tweeted at me Ooh. and said, is this your ideal starting lineup that you want? And I think so. <clears throat> and I know I've been advocating for I've been back and forth on Brunson, but I think Seth can give you the secondary playmaking enough to where it yeah, he can play with Luca in that. So because I've because I went back and I'm like, all right, I've said I wanted Brunson to start. I said I wanted Seth to start. I've said I wanted Dorian to start, but I know Dwight's gonna mm-hmm. start. And I'm like, all right, I have six guys that I've said I wanted to start, and this makes no <laughs> sense. So I gotta land somewhere. And uh so yeah, I but I think this is the lineup that I enjoy and I like the most. Yeah, but com- yeah. Coming up, let's questions. get into that a little bit more. Starting lineup and just the rest of the lineups because we've seen a lot of combinations of players now and which ones we've liked the most. And then we'll dive into this game. All right, Isaac, I like this starting lineup. Dorian can guard guys like Jamal Murray. He's going to get in trouble with some quicker guards, like more, you know, guys like Damian Lillard. He's not going to guard all the time. He guarded CJ McCollum. But I think going back and forth between Delon and Dorian, because I don't want I don't want Dorian having to try to chase around Seth or Steph Curry, you know, like in a, for example, uh, I would rather have Delon Wright doing that at this point. I but think it's more sw- swapping out Seth for Delon. You would do that instead, because I think Seth has to start because you need some more shooting if you're going to start Dwight Powell. That's true. That's see that at the beginning of the game before like right when the. The starting lineup was announced. They said, well, Dwight is back, so they need more shooting. Okay, well, let's add Seth to the starting lineup. Okay, well, we need more defense then. Okay, we'll add Dorian to the starting lineup. Like, that's, that's how worth, that's it goes back formula. to like, what do you that's, want? Like, what, yeah, like, what, what do you want the most out of so, all these different things that different players offer? This could be a case where it just changes game to game, and it's proven that, you know, it can kind of work so far three and one. Three and one, and uh, you don't want to be that guy, but. You can say a coach's challenge away from being 4 0. <laughs> if that coach's challenge didn't exist, the Mavericks would probably have won that game. <laughs> also, the coach's challenge, by the way, it's a one year thing. They're not going to, they're probably, they might not do it next year. They can it be to, like a half a year thing? But after, it should have just been a one game thing, just the first game of the season or a G League thing, which I think it has been. Uh, by the way, <laughs> first win of the season without Courtney Lee playing at all. Hey, that's analytics, a big win. what? Courtney Lee did not play, and the Mavericks finally won. Analytics. The analytics lied to me. <laughs> I'm just glad Luca drove at the end of the game when they were in the bonus. I don't. I mean, that's what you have to do every single time. I mean, I, I can't understand why he wasn't doing that more. Stop. Okay, so at the beginning of the game, um, 
Paul Millsap was going off, and he had a, a he God had, bless. He had a game high twenty three points. He hit what did he hit? God bless. He hit four threes. Um, do the Mavericks Making have thirty million? Paul Millsap. Do the Mavericks have a problem guarding these stretch fours. They I really... thought it was going to be a swap, though. I thought I thought Porzingis was going. <clears throat> I thought the whole thing about this Porzingis Dwight thing is on defense. Porzingis is is like bulked up enough to where he can guard the fives. To where Dwight is mobile enough to where he can guard these fours. That's what we and, were told. Yeah, so that's that's what how I thought it was going to be. But the whole thing about all these matchups and how we spend all this time on all these matchups, I called you and we were talking. And I'm like, and you you're like, it's the switching thing. Like it's almost like these matchups don't matter because they switch so much. <laughs> it doesn't where matter. They, can, they don't matter at all because no one's guard. Anytime somebody is involved in an action on defense they're not guarding their primary target like they're guarding somebody else by the end of the possession because they're switching on everything and that's how you get seth curry on paul Millsap, five feet away from the goal yes but luca or even i guess dwight or you know porzingis at time porzingis the one time he guarded him in the first quarter he blocked his jump shot like he blocked a mid-range jump shot <laughs> you're like this is what it should have been like paul Millsap is six seven yeah, I thought Paul Millsap played an incredible game. That like put back, I think it was a put back dunk oh, yeah. at the end of the game. That was nasty too. And, Jokic had a, uh, a 10 10 10 triple double, by the way. Did he really? That's the quietest triple double I've ever seen in my life. Wow. 10 10 10 across the board, three steals. He looked awful in this game. I know he had a triple double, <laughs> but he just looked terrible. Second night of a back to back, when you're out of shape like that, I just think that that had a, that had a, an effect. Well, what's, What's Jamal Murray's excuse? 16 points, six boards. I mean, I, I thought he was decent. He only took 13 yeah, yeah, shots. Okay. He, he wasn't super aggressive, but I mean, he was. Over four from the from three point line, and he had one assist as the point guard. Yeah. But the thing is, though, he that's not what they ask him to do, though. He's not like the, you know, the Rondo Jason kid, like, I'm just going to. You know, I'm just gonna bang, 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 and then I'm gonna. Okay, but if you're not gonna pass. pass and get other people involved, you need to score more than 16 points. But they spread it around too. That's the thing. Is that's this team's thing. They spread it around just like the Mavericks did tonight. Mm. If the Mavericks had lost the game, would you say, "Oh, Luca should have scored more points"? Oh, here we go. <laughs> he would have scored more if he drove, <laughs> or if he would just would have been pulled out of the game. <laughs> he would have scored more. Um, what do you think Seth about this Curry. whole switching thing? We've done we've done four games now, and the Mavericks are switching a, a ton on, and it never works in. The, with for the starters, except for the game where their offense was incredible against Portland, I think I think it's really going to come to a point with the Lakers game on Friday because hmm. if they're switching everything, you're talking about two players, two of the best players in the league, but two of the bigger players who can take advantage of switches the most. I feel like, and they might be the sw- two best players at doing that, the two best big players that do that. You know, take advantage of a bad matchup like that. Because we know the moment that Jalen Brunson, Seth Curry, any of those guys get switched off on LeBron or AD, then it, I mean they're just getting to the, you know, the basket right then and there. So now I do think that Dallas, uh, I thought they played Jokic, especially in that fourth quarter. I, I think they trapped him really well. Tim Hardaway, Dorian, they had that trap there, stripped him towards the end. I thought they, because that's what you, I mean. If you're gonna switch like that, you're going to get these mismatches. And then you just got to be really good at, you know, double teaming where you're bringing the help defender from, and then rotating those defenders to cover the open guys. At that point, you just got to be kind of on on these strings at this point and moving uh, as a defensive unit. So, 
We'll see. We'll see what they do. I mean, we don't know. I mean, literally, Rick is changing so much. <laughs> it feels like every game that they could come out there and run zone on Friday night, and it'd be <laughs> like, "All right, cool. Everything's fluid right now." Yeah, I don't know if the Lakers have enough shooting to break that. Uh, Danny Green have to go off again, but they're they're switching in and on defense. All just they have to just communicate, and that's the that's the thing. Their their communication in the first quarter of, of this game against Denver was terrible, and it it showed. It showed in this game. Um, but if they start getting some stops, if they start figuring it out, if they start communicating, then it looks more like what it was in the fourth quarter. Nuggets only scored 18 points. Yeah. Um, I don't – what was I going to say while I go about Seth Curry? Dang it. Yeah, you were going to say something, something about listen. Seth Curry. I was He's just going to He brings him, shooting. He's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just his, like, scoring punch, I just uh, – that first quarter, I think he had, what, eight points in the first quarter. He only yeah. finished with ten, but – he just gives you a different type of scoring dynamic with it. It gives you the outside shot. I mean, we what? Oh, he was well. He hit both of those threes in the first, but two for six from uh, from three tonight. And I just, yeah, I like him starting next to Luca and KP as much as minutes he can get alongside those uh, those two guys. I'm down for KP. He just he just was just off tonight. He 14 just, boards. It, yeah, it just it felt like he just never could find a groove offensively. Yeah. Especially, you know, even towards the end of the game there. He's trying to get one of those long, you know, long threes to hit. And it just it never came to him offensively tonight. Yeah, him and Luca both seemed lethargic to me. They seemed slower. Yeah. They seemed like, you know, they had played a couple games and I don't know what that's all about. They weren't playing on a back to back or anything. The altitude, who knows? Like it could be any any of that kind of stuff, uh, they could have see, gotten they need, bad news before the game started. Like who knows? This is what my okay. This is what my wife does all the time when we're watching a sport a sporting event. Whether it's who's that? Who's that? What's his name? No 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 no. She so does the does. when we're watching. She loves watching football. So like Sunday evenings, like it's really fun. We just watch football forever after church. And but every time somebody has a bad performance, no matter what sport, my wife immediately says. Maybe his girlfriend dumped him today, <laughs> and she she immediately goes to the, like the off the court thing of like his girlfriend broke up with him. He found out bad news right before the game, and that's why he's playing bad. So it's my, funny that you said that. My wife does that with bad guys in movies. Like you know what, <laughs> his parents like abandoned him when he was a child. Like can you imagine what he was thinking? And she's like siding with every villain in every movie. She's like trying to think of their motivations and you know trying to <laughs> to understand them. Yeah, I guess it um, works like that sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, unless they're like a serial killer. But with Porzingis and Luca, it, I think this is so important for them, like pressure-wise, that a, a win like this, yeah, true. N- knowing that hey, it's okay that sometimes you can have an off night because the Mavericks team of years past, like Luca, couldn't have off nights. I mean, a Luca off night, they're getting beat by twenty. And the fact that both of them can have an off night, I think they're walking out of this. They're frustrated with their individual performance, but they're sitting there saying, dang, we got a good team. Like, this isn't as top-heavy. Like, they know that they're the best best players on the team, but they're walking away from and saying, hey, these guys got our backs, and if, if I'm not having a good game, I know, even though that they'll say it all day long and say, I trust my teammates, I love, like, all this stuff. Now I think there's a little bit more behind that saying, I trust my guys because they can get it done, and they got it done about oh, against one of the best teams in the league, in my opinion. 
Agreed. Coming up, let's talk about those guys. Let's talk about the bench. Dorian, Tim Hardaway Jr. We've talked about Seth already. Maxie off the bench. Uh, DeLon Wright had another good game. Jalen Brunson, we have to talk about him. So let's get mm. into the bench coming up next. All right, Isaac, I want to start with Tim Hardaway Jr. because, man, I thought he had a great game. I thought he played exactly the way that I would you know, envision him to play, like just the role that I would want him to play. He can pull up every once in a while if it's a, if it's a good shot and, or if it's late in the shot clock or something like that, but these early in the shot clock, you know, pull-up transition threes, or it's just not good offense. But he was he was catching and shooting. That first shot that he hit was that swing pass where, where Harper was talking about hot potato. He's like trying to explain <laughs> what hot potato was. They, they swung it all the way into the corner, and he hit that three. He uh, the only time I was really frustrated with him was when he missed that alley oop, which you know is like a, a leaping thing. But uh, I thought he played a, a good game: fourteen points, three boards, two assists, a steal. Um, ever since you mentioned his defense, I've been trying to watch his defense specifically, and I think he's solid. I don't think he's a bad defensive player. <clears throat> I think every once in a while he doesn't fight through screens, but I think everyone does that. Uh, but I yeah. think he's I think he he sticks with guys. I think he has quick feet. He can, you know, he can fight around screens. He has, he has a pretty decent wingspan. I, I like him on defense. Yeah, he's not bad. I think, you know, people just get this perception in their head of, hey, he's just a guy that comes in there and he's like a Jamal Crawford that he just chucks shots up and that's just all he does. He's not a, he's not a bad defender. And obviously, Carlisle and the coaching staff leaves him too. If, you know, opening night, they're throwing him out there against Brad Bill a decent chunk. So, uh, I think they believe in his defense a little bit more than a lot of fans do. Um, and I think you have to – it's kind of like what you said a little bit ago. I think you just got to accept that there's going to be at least probably two Tim Hardaway shots a game that you're like, sure. dang it, there's one of them. Like, <laughs> you just got to give him two shots where you're just going to shake your head and say, all right, move on. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, he hit what? He had a couple threes tonight. He hit four threes, four this six is, from three. This is my Wes Matthews 10% rule where, you know, you love <laughs> the 90% you get from him, but the 10% are those shots. I, think I don't that, know if there's 90%. <laughs> I think Tim Hardaway Jr. can be that. I don't think he's exactly Wes Matthews, but I think that he can become that. If he starts doing – if he really wants to be Michael Finley, then you really, that 90% really has to be, you know, about that. real good. Um <laughs> Yeah, Tim Hardaway no, Jr. I thought, I thought, I thought he played a, a good game. game. He hit four threes. Yeah. We have to acknowledge that. DeLon Wright coming off the bench again, 12 points, three boards, six assists. Um, I thought he was just, just playing well. Him and Jalen Brunson had this this sequence in the fourth or maybe late third where it was four times in a row they drove and got an and one on a drive. Mm. Uh, and I just you just love to see that first of all because you know you don't want to see him take step back threes and you'd rather see him drive to the the bucket but especially when they're in the bonus especially when they're in the bonus but just that attacking those guys just being decisive uh, the one good thing I thought Harp said tonight was that Jalen Brunson is one of the most decisive players on the team and I completely yeah. agree with that I think that that's one of his strengths I love when Brunson's uh, aggressive when he's got the basketball because it's it goes back to that first thing after they drafted him, <clears throat> and it was the common thing you'd hear from a, a ton of people. He even said it after he was drafted. I, when I did that story on him from Mavs.com and I talked to one of their uh, Villanova assistant coaches, they said the same thing. Rick Carlisle said the same thing. I'm like, hey, he's not the most athletic guy on the team. He's not going to wow you. He's not going to be the fastest player on the team. But he just gets it done in all the other areas. And so when you're watching him offensively, you're like, all right, there's no way like Jalen Bronson is going to be this like explosive offensive player. But the dude can get buckets. And it's it's kind of like Luca, it's where he's not gonna he's not just blazing speed, but he's got the moves. He's quick and he's quick, but not like fast. So 
the crap I mean you can't get away from the word crafty but some some of the shots he pulls <laughs> it's his middle name and, now Jalen Crafty Bronson it really is JCB. the pump fake on Malik Beasley in the middle of the paint I mean that's just what he does I feel like he can I feel like he's locked in for like four free throws a game because it's like a pump fake in the paint and we should we should tweet Jalen C Bronson every time we tweet his name <laughs> the C stands JC, for crafty JC Brunson um but yeah I mean those and one plays that he had you know, when the bench unit was playing so well, I feel like they had two big stints there to where they, you know, Denver went up by I felt like like ten or something. Yeah, end of the bench third, brought him back. And then I mean, Jalen Brunson played so well that there would well, I got to come watch on, how I'm come saying. on, bring the takes. No, no, I got to watch what I'm saying about Mavericks Twitter sometimes. But there were some people on Twitter saying, "Man, they should have just left Brunson in there and left Luca oh, yeah. on the bench." Yeah, and I like. Let's just leave that alone. Just the fact that Brunson was playing that well—that for people to even consider that—that I think that speaks volumes to the game and really just where Jalen Brunson's already at in his career. Yeah, completely. I agree with that for sure. Uh, we're not going to get into the you know they should have benched Luca. Luca is your star player. Uh, he had a, a clutch drive at the end of the game. He missed those free throws. Yeah, but. Um, you you ride or die with your star player, and Luca is the star player, one of the most clutch players in the NBA last year. You you ride or die with that guy. There's, you can keep Brunson in the game and take somebody else out, but you ride or die with Luca. I also liked how they um, were. It seemed like at the beginning, I I need to go back and look at this on how many minutes, how many minutes JB uh, Brunson and Luca were not on the floor. I don't think it was any. I think they subbed in for each other every single time. I was watching. You for mean, that. Yeah, I don't you think ma- they ever played you mentioned, without one of them. You mentioned that to me that they were kind of kind of subbing in for each other back and forth, and I think that I mean that just shows you how they're viewing both these guys as the primary playmakers in the offense, and that could be a smart. I mean, by doing that, what it, I mean, Jalen only played fifteen minutes, but it was an effective fifteen minutes. That's I'd wild. Like to see. He only played. He played the least <clears throat> amount besides Dwight. Yeah, I'd like to see those minutes obviously go up a little bit, but but okay, add Jalen Brunson's minutes to Luka Doncic. This is the Dennis Smith Jr. JJ Barea thing again. They equal forty-eight minutes exactly. They do, don't they? They do, except yeah. for one second, which is probably like an extra, whatever. But yeah, Jalen Brunson's minutes plus Luka's minutes equal forty-eight minutes. So they played apart. They staggered them the the whole game, which we think is smart. We've been calling for that, and I still think that Jalen Brunson should come off the bench and. They did again. Yeah. Um, I know we haven't talked about him yet, but Justin Jackson, uh, he had 10 points, two for two from three, uh, four for four from the field. He scored all uh, his he, 10 points in the second quarter, I think. Yeah. And I think he, him and, um, man, I'm drawing, oh, him and Maxie started the second half. Uh, yeah. They, they didn't start the second half with Dwight and Dorian. They subbed him out for Maxie and Justin Jackson. The lineup was not super good. <laughs> <laughs> Carlisle went away from that one pretty quick. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, is there anything else we want to say about Luka in this game? I think I think it's safe to say this is one of the worst games as far as just, like, difficult. I don't even know. Maybe difficult's the word to use as far as just more of his difficult games of this of the season, really of his kind of young career. He just didn't play well. Didn't shoot well. Didn't seem to have the energy. But he still came up. He had, You know, we talk about how Luka can still give you something even when he's not playing well. He still had that clutch drive that essentially won the game, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's what – 
I'm not gonna. Lie. I was thinking if he's gonna take a step back or not. <laughs> I, I was about to laugh, but he, he drove to the basket and what he should have done, and that was just an incredible like finish that he had. And I think it it just shows you once again the level that he's at as a player. That even after a difficult game, not his best game, not his best game shooting, that they still put the ball in Luca's hands. He's still confident enough to say, "I'm gonna go, you know, basically score a game-winning bucket." And he gets to the rim, has this acrobatic finish, and probably got fouled in the play too. And you can't say enough about him. Yeah, for sure. Twelve points, four boards, five assists, two steals. Thought he was pretty active. He had that one steal on Will Barton where he's, you know, he was getting beat off of a drive, and then he was still fighting for the play, and he grabbed the ball right in midair. He just thought thought that, that was some good defense from him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, it's just Dorian Finney-Smith. Let's end on Dorian Finney-Smith because that play on Jay, on uh, Jamal Murray at the end, that's why mm. you have Dorian Finney-Smith. He's the best defender on the team. He really is. Um, I think he has to be in your starting unit. Um, I've been pushing for that for yeah a while. Love that. And those back-to-back threes, I was so hyped. I think I got more hyped about that than anything. Yeah. When he hit those back-to-back threes, I was like – <laughs> pumping my fist in the air. I was like, let's go, Dorian. <laughs> I was so pumped for him. I know that's big for him because he's he literally has been working on this outside shot forever. You know, and, we talk uh, about it every single offseason. This is yeah, now what? We've really? done three offseasons. We've talked about it every single one. That's Dorian's worked on a shot this year. Revamped shot. We put it but, on our bingo board for media day. <laughs> two years in a row. Because <laughs> it's talked about so much. <laughs> but yeah, he hit those threes. He didn't have as many boards. He had one offensive rebound, uh, 12 points in the game, though. And the defense and just the things that he brings, him and Dwight Powell. And when Dwight Powell comes back fully, he does things like this, too. The hustle, they're sweaties. This is the term that I use to you know describe like hustle guys. They, they do things and they try hard every single time that they're on the court. And sometimes that can be really bad where they try too hard and they foul and do crazy things, but... If, you, you want guys like that on your team. And to have two guys in a, in a lineup like that, I think is positive around Luka and Porzingis. Oh, 100%. And you have to have them. Every championship team has those type of guys around their stars. Um, if we can look at something from uh, – pull pull back just a little bit and look at just the records right now in the Western Conference. Dallas obviously proves a 3-1 and one with this win. Uh, as of this moment, I think there's maybe a few games going on. I think the Lakers are playing right now. I think but. it's just Lakers. <laughs> yeah, they're the only ones, and they're winning. They're playing Memphis. Okay, I mean, that could be tight game. Unless John Morant goes off for another 17 in the fourth. Let's go. By the way, you can go watch my video on Free Dawkins and my breakdown of John Morant scoring 17 in the fourth and uh, blocking Kyrie to force overtime. Hey. We can hype up John Morant for Link sure. is in the description of the podcast. Um, assuming the Lakers pulled <laughs> the game out tonight, that will that will give you um, seven teams that will have three wins on the season so far. Seven teams that uh, at least six of them, I feel like decent amount of people uh, projected to be there. The Lakers, uh, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Clippers, T-Wolves, and Spurs. And you got those Dallas Mavericks sitting right there too. With a three and one record right now, the Timberwolves and the Spurs are both three and zero. Of course, here I projected the Spurs to miss the playoffs, but they're three and zero. Isaac, Come, we have seventy nine games left. Um, tells a lot. Um, but no, I mean I I think it's yeah. This is obviously you know cool to see 
Dallas right there, three and one. I mean, I think a lot of people, Kevin Pelton of ESPN tweet out tonight, you know, basically saying, Hey, there's still room on the bandwagon for the Mavericks making the playoffs, uh, for people to hop on board and, uh, please hop on board there. There's room left on uh, this train that is trucking along. And you're, I mean, this game Friday night is going to be huge. I mean, we're obviously going to preview it the next, you know, couple days uh, more, but, uh, Lakers coming to town, you know, LeBron and AD and just everything with that. Luca and LeBron and AD, Porzingis. I mean, the the storylines and everything are going to write themselves. It should be a heck of a game, both three and one teams if the Lakers win tonight. And so, yeah, I mean. Be a big test. Be a big test. We would, we would love to see the Mavericks get, you know, two wins out of this three-game stretch of Portland, Denver, and the Lakers. I would have guessed it would have been Portland, <laughs> but, hey, Den- Denver's the win, and now – they split the pair, and now they're going to to play against the Lakers. So, but I'll say this: I think it will be. I think it could be a moral victory in a sense too. If if they go in, they play you know the Lakers at home on Friday night, and let's say they lose by like four or five points, and it's a close game. If you walk out of this week of these three teams that are three you know pretty much locked playoff teams, and you know, you you go one and three out, one and two out of the week, and those two losses literally are single digits in the Portland game, the coaches challenge, all that stuff, and the Lakers game's close at least. This early in the season, and you're fighting with some of these best teams in the league, I still think that's a positive sign. Uh, but obviously, yeah, a win would be huge. But this Denver win, bring it back full circle, one of the biggest wins they've had, I mean, in recent memory, dating back to last season, I think this is one of the best wins they've had in a while. Absolutely. So there you go. That's the Denver win. We'll preview the Lakers coming up over the next two days and talk more about this Mavericks team, lineups we've seen, and things like that. Guys, we appreciate you sticking with us, and thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.